Hello, this is Hope, and you're listening to Covert Castaway. Welcome to my weekly diary of what I learn and how I cope with transitioning to life as a liveaboard cruiser. Now that we have all of our budget, costs, and basic assumptions agreed on, how do we put a financial strategy in place that will enable us to cast off without a ton of economic insecurity? Welcome to Covert Castaway. This is part two of my podcast series about creating a financial strategy for cruising. If you haven't heard part one yet, this will only make sense to you if you've done that. So please start there. On to step six, which is the entirety of what this podcast is about. It's putting it all together. This was the phase when everything went from theoretical information and spreadsheets after spreadsheets after spreadsheets to an actual strategy. Everyone says that living on a boat is cheap, but until you see your numbers in black and white, does it hit you like a ton of bricks? Sure, the living expensive can be quite cheap since you aren't spending weekends and shopping malls and things like that. But depending on your standard of living and the kind of boat that you want, your fixed expenses could be much higher or lower than you ever expected, or higher or lower than the next person you got advice from. With the cruising budget envelope done, we pop that into our 10-year budget to see what we needed to save and what it would take to save up for the boat costs and whether we were financing or paying cash. Adding all that up, we started to get a picture of what it was really going to take to make this whole endeavor paid for and what realistically our income could support. We swizzled a few of our decisions and came up with a workable financial plan for the medium term. To summarize, we budgeted conservatively for what we could save for in our overall budget and liberally in what the boat would cost in our five-year sailing plan. So this gave us a picture of best and worst case on both sides. This would give us room to get more specific as we started making more refined decisions in this phase. Next, we had to tackle further refinement of our re-entry scenarios. Should we think about this as a five-year sabbatical or a full-scale retirement? Meaning, would we want to work when we got back? What would we expect to make if we had to come back to our old jobs after being out for five years or 10 years and being a little bit older? Or do we want to come back to our old jobs at all? Should we create a scenario where we're doing something totally different, maybe something non-specific, but maybe where we would really need to live on a very tight budget until we hit the threshold to gain access to our 401k and IRA accounts? Also part of our re-entry discussion was more discussion about where we would live. If we came back, would we want to live here if our kids are now all gone and off living their own lives? Or would we want to live somewhere else entirely? What do you model for? Traditional wisdom initially had us looking at this as if we were trying to take time off, like an extended vacation. Then we started discussing, what if it changes our perspective and we decide to either stay on the boat or do something altogether different, living somewhere else completely? It was much easier to think of it as a cultural sabbatical, where we're taking some time and would figure out what to do later. This is when we decided to extend our plan to the 10-year sailing plan with the trade-off being finding some way to make an income so we weren't tapping into savings to pay for our annual costs. We discussed consulting gigs, rental property income, odd jobs, online businesses. Worst case, we could sell until we ran out of money with enough set aside to go back to a living arrangement for six months and enough living expenses to pay for that until we decided what to do next. The key success criteria here might seem obvious, but it was being sure we had zero debt 
or if we had debt, say in a rental property mortgage loan, that the funds were secured to cover the cost of the loan for some period of time. This, of course, led to the discussion about whether or not you get a loan for the boat or pay cash. Okay, I'm going to take a minute here. Everyone in the entire world will tell you never to pay cash for a car. So naturally, people assume boats go by the same rule. But just hear me out on this. I'm a simple girl. I don't like owing people money. With cars, sure, you can get a 0% down APR loan or at least something very, very low. Or you can lease. Boat loans are different, generally speaking 5 to 6%. We explored the idea of doing a collateral loan, but that's just lame, to tie up your own money to secure a loan and still pay interest. Some financial guy we spoke to did some hocus pocus talk about paying yourself back the interest because you take a loan from yourself somehow, but that just sounds like someone in the middle making money. I'm sure there might be ways from more financially savvy people listening, but I'm a simple girl and I choose to only make financial decisions on things I understand that are logical. The bottom line is, no matter what way you slice it, you pay the interest on a loan, period. With property, it's different because that appreciates. And with my mortgage, I took a completely different approach. For us, we made the decision that we wanted to think of the boat as something you buy to enjoy, more like a disposable good that might be worth something later, but you can't have any expectations of that on the back end. You buy it, you enjoy it, the boat sinks, you walk away, end of story. Sidebar here. We did look into creative charter ownership and boat as a business options in quite a bit of detail, actually. I'll cover this deeper on a future podcast because the whole thing got pretty convoluted when it comes to us wanting to live on it. As of now, this is not part of our plan. And we're back. So 10-year sailing plan, no debt, some income options if needed, and buy the boat outright. That's where we are so far. The next decision we had to make was whether cash flow from the investment property was better than putting the money in the financial markets and pulling out the interest. So that was the next step, really understanding what our money was doing for us for the money we had in the markets today. If any of us had a crystal ball on this, by the way, we would all be living on a boat by now. So we took a look at our current investment strategy and what was happening. At this point, what this whole thing had unveiled is how our strategy had been on autopilot and it was time to start digging into that. Prior to this whole thing, we didn't have financial goals beyond covering college. We had things we needed to pay for, but had never put together a financial plan against something over a period of time. Years earlier, after my divorce, I sat down with a financial planner and he asked me what my retirement looked like, and it was a question I didn't even understand. The thought of not working had never crossed my mind. Now I had a tangible set of numbers I could go talk to someone about and assess the bric-a-brac that was my financial strategy a CD here, an IRA there, unconsolidated 401ks, an online investment account, an old stock purchase plan, a managed investment account, a bunch of savings and checking accounts. By the way, my previous bank opened all these accounts on my behalf I didn't even really pay attention to, and then charged me for. I had more accounts than I had dollars, and we needed to get this all on track and merge our near-term goals with our long-term goals which was to not have our kids take care of us later. I tried to do a retirement plan using a tool from a prominent investment firm, but I'm convinced after interviewing multiple financial advisors, the system is designed to be frustrating and make you feel dumb so you'll pay them to manage your money for you on top of the trading fees. They were literally using some half-baked tool the guy couldn't really get to work. So he just started saying things like, trust me, I have a lot of experience. I know a guy. A book could be written on lessons learned as a woman working with financial advisors, but that's for another day. 
I ended up reading a tip from a sailing blogger I follow, Amy Alton from Out Chasing Stars. And I looked into an online tool she'd found to do some really simple long-term retirement modeling. With it, I could plug in my goals, add all the retirement information, my assumptions based on our sabbatical plan, and it projects out for you what happens with this whole Monte Carlo modeling calculations. The hardest part of the tool actually was deciding how long you were expecting to live. It was able to tell us with all of our assumptions, spending, savings, Social Security, that our five-year plan would work without the sky falling. It also allowed us with confidence to determine we had an option for a five-year plan, a 10-year plan, and a potential for a quit our jobs and never look back plan. I have to say here, I'm not a financial expert. However, I do believe I will always be the best steward of my own money. This was the point in my life where I started to read more and pay attention to what these different financial institutions are motivated by. You can call me paranoid, but after going through a few financial advisors, like I said, I was really shocked by some of the decisions they were making and how they were using my money to benefit themselves individually or their company. At one point, I went through each and every investment to understand the margin rates, the fees, etc., and the guy had no good answers. What I believe is that no 20-something person working at a big financial investment firm is going to know more than me doing a little research because no one knows what's going to happen. They follow models and indexes and a playbook you can read about, and no one with the experience of Warren Buffett is going to be put on my piddly accounts. So I think it's safe to say working with a basic online investment service for a fixed cost versus a big firm gives me the ability to control my decisions and make sure my investment strategy is in line with my goals completely. That's just me. You might be different. We were able to look at all these separate accounts over the last 25 years and see what had happened. I had been through two major downturns in that amount of time, and my various investments were just okay, except for the 529. Those were amazing and brilliant and did really well. We were also over and under invested in some areas because we were double invested in certain industries or different fund types because of the various investment areas in which all of them were individually. We were both overly weighted, for example, in tech. Okay, so we consolidated all the various accounts and streamlined the investment plan. Basic hygiene, probably, that we should have done years ago. We tailored a focused long-term strategy in the financial market for 10 to 15 years down the road with some amount of cash that was giving us a return and also allowed us access to our more short-term goals. It was at this point I could do some modeling for what the 10-year comparison return on the financial markets versus what the real estate investment property might be, using the trending of the preceding 30 years based on where the economy is today. Again, I'm not a finance professional. I'm just trying to do my own math in my head and make it make sense. Mapping three different options, aggressive, conservative, and moderate, the investment property option came out to be the better option even in a scenario where the entire housing market tanks, which is a real possibility as I'm recording this. With that done, I updated all the numbers and then tackled our savings plan leading up to the boat purchase. It's always fascinating to see the money coming in and somehow it just vanishes, like socks in the dryer. We took a scalpel to our expenses. Well, let's be honest, this was more about me. My husband doesn't spend a whole lot of money, while I, on the other hand, I do like nice things. But again, because we never looked at the whole plan and all of our money together, it never really mattered. I made my money and I spent it. He made his money and he spent it. That's not going to work anymore. And after two to three visits with our CPA, we got a better tax strategy altogether as well. Once two of our kids left for college, our living expenses really came down. Though, our college costs obviously were very high. Well, mine were because it was my kids in college at this time. 
Then once my husband's son left for college, things got clearer. Let me tell you, this kid could eat you out of house and home. He ate constantly, so we never had any idea of what food actually would cost us alone. Now we knew. Somewhere in there, we turned into a vegan household and started cutting processed food. Not only was this less money spent at the grocery store, it was better for us too. What we learned in this is as two people, we can live pretty cheap and didn't have expensive habits per se, aside from bare boat charter vacations where we could bring our friends and split the costs. And I really started to cut down on impulse purchases. All of this I was tackling in a master spreadsheet for a couple of years now. And as far as my husband was concerned, it was just happening in the background. But I guess the best way to say it is, I spend much more time focused on that financial plan than he does. So when it came time to sell the house and give him the milestone checkpoint on the plan, I had to rethink how I walked him through it. As I previously mentioned, my husband and I see through different lenses when it comes to looking at spreadsheets. So I had to put together a narrative to stop the madness and bickering about why my columns looked a certain way or get lost in the weeds on details that weren't material in the big picture. Here's my strategy. Wait for it. I did this through a series of post-its. Please don't laugh. With the post-its, I mapped out a timeline to show the big picture of what happens when and what money goes where. It might sound really first grade, but it's a good visual that keeps it in our face every day. And as the plan assumptions change, we can take note together, discuss it, and then apply it to our budget spreadsheet. It also came in handy to walk my son through it when he started looking at me sideways when he realized that we were, in fact, planning to live on a sailboat. He never much took it seriously until I told him that it was now time to sell the house. Post-its are awesome. Here's the lesson I learned after going through this multi-year financial planning process. There is always a way to get yourself on a boat. It sounds impossible in the beginning, but just like with anything else, it just takes some solid planning, reprioritization on spending, and attention and focus. We are very lucky to both have solid jobs and some assets to work with. And with four kids, we also have a lot of expenses. But when we suddenly had a very clear goal for what we were saving for, there were many scenarios that emerged to make it happen, even with our most ambitious scenario or our most conservative. It made decisions and trade-offs crystal clear. And we knew we had options to reduce expenses or the length of time to make the numbers work. Finally, I fully recognize that not all people will need everything buttoned up to buy a boat and sail into the sunset without a worry in the world. But in order for me to make a real plan for us, I had to go through this process to get to the point where I could say, okay, Jimmy Cornell, let's do this. What about you? How did you approach financial planning to make your transition possible? Please visit the Covert Castaway Facebook page and join the conversation. Also, this podcast is now available in iTunes and Google Play, so please pick your platform and subscribe. Thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, like, or share with another covert castaway. Fair winds for now. Oh, 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 o